0: Elizabeth Waggett's delicate work explores the relationship between value and purpose. Working in monochrome with streaks of gold leaf, each piece challenges and acts as its own commentary, though one which evolves according to the viewer. In this podcast with the Enter Gallery in Brighton, we talk to Elizabeth about her art, her troubles, and just how much she misses fish and chips. This is Art Related Noise.
1: I started experimenting with painting. There's so many
0: avenues of art.
1: We're surrounded by images.
0: Just being lost in this sea of possibility.
1: Announcing that I was going to be an artist. It
0: brings the work I do alive even more. They could be part of this work as well. Everyone's got their own personal connection to something. Hello, welcome to Art Related Noise. Uh, this is the podcast of the Enter Gallery in Brighton. And today, well, we're speaking to someone Uh, Amazing. All the way from the USA, Elizabeth Waggett. How are you today? Um,
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Stuart. uh, I'm looking forward to this.
0: (laughs) When I first uh, thought about interviewing you, and I'd seen your work quite a few times, I assumed, perhaps foolishly, without doing any research, that you were an American. But you're not. You're British. You're from Manchester, the good old north. What took you (laughs) over to the States?
1: Um, So I've not lived in the UK now for nine years, and it's actually, I think I'm getting a bit of an itch to come back now, if I'm honest. Um, But I moved out to the Middle East, and I was an art teacher there. And I did a a few shows that were, you know, not with the school or anything, like as an independent artist, and they went really well. Um, And it was just always something I think I wanted to do full time, but never had the confidence to So my partner, who is American, he got into a a good school in New York and wanted to do his master's. And I was like, yes, brilliant. Let's go. So sort of just decided, okay, I'm going to give it two years and see what happens in New York. Because I think that's probably one of the most, you know, if you're going to dive in, dive in in New York, right? So yeah, so I thought, Let's, let's just dive in there um, and give it a go so I gave myself like two years and um, I had saved some money in the Middle East because of course it's like a tax-free salary and, and that kind of thing and so I had a little bit of a safety buffer and I just you know got myself a studio got myself out there and I think the thing with Americans is they're so nice and welcoming and people it's so funny because people go oh New Yorkers they're so rude and I'm like I need them at that level, because if they're any nicer, I'm not going to be able to go. Um, so, yeah, they were really open to that. And I think, you know, the British-American relationship is is really good. Um, and they're just, yeah, it just sort of went from strength to strength. Like, as soon as you get into one gallery, I think then a, a chain of reaction happens. And that seemed to be what happened. And um, then I just carried on and working full time and now have... Studio assistants and things to help me, so yeah, it's been, it's been, it feels like it's been a while, but it was actually only 2014 when I moved, and then 2016 when I had enough work to have a solo show. So I sort of count the beginning of my career as like 2016, full time as an artist, but of course, I've been an artist forever.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, making that that me because obviously in the States now you've got your established practice up over there now, but but making the leap to go from Manchester to the, to the Middle East in the first place must have been quite a a big one. What what prompted that?
1: Well, I think after uni, my, like my undergrad, I was like, um, I did not know what I wanted to do, really. I mean, you're, you're what, you're 21, 22. It's, it's quite a, a, a weight on your shoulders. And I knew that, you know, I'd heard a lot of friends were going traveling and things like that and I just thought okay I, in fact one of my friends had already done it she was a year older than me and she'd gone around Thailand and I was like okay I'm, I'm gonna do this and I was just determined to do it and I think my mum was like oh my goodness because I was just going to do it on my own so I've always had probably a bit of a risk factor <laughs> <back, laughs> where I just throw myself in probably wouldn't do it now And then a few of my friends, you know, were interested and they said, okay, so in the end there was, there was four of us and we traveled around like Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. And whilst I was there, we did some work in orphanages and things. And I'd, my, my degree was in fashion. When I got back, it's a funny thing to look back on, but when I got back, I was just so overwhelmed by like the consumerism and the everything that was going on and, after after being there for like six months you kind of you you're in that different culture and when I got back to England I found it really difficult to adjust and I just felt that fashion was just a bit too vacuous and not important enough and so I thought right I'm going to do my PGC and go into teaching because I really enjoyed teaching the kids in the orphanages. And then also, I knew that it would be a job that could take me around the world. So I, it was kind of like that. I knew I wanted to get out there. So I did my PGCE. I think I did three years in a UK school, such a great school, St. James Catholic High School in Tudor in Manchester, still friends with the teachers there, amazing school. And they, they really supported that I knew that that's what I wanted to do then you know reality kicks in and you're like you know I really would like to go and teach these of you know kids that are orphans but I also have student debt and I need to eat so the Middle East is just kind of one of those places so I was out in Abu Dhabi, Dubai is kind of where most people go so I felt a little bit on the fringe going to Abu Dhabi um, and, and that's what led me there so it, it, it was kind of like just small steps that led me there really it wasn't just like one big okay I'm gonna go and do this it was and, and
0: of... so back in Abu Dhabi, that was that was art teaching as well was it was the... yes sorry
1: yeah that was art teaching to secondary kids so from like 11 to um, 18 year olds so that was really nice and great kids again And and then you got this really diverse international background so you were teaching from kids from all over the world. And then there was, you know, there was VIPs, princesses and things, sheikhs from the Middle East. And they were just all such gorgeous kids. And it, again, it was a really, actually I will say that school, not the, it was kind of a toxic environment, which is what spurred me on the staff, not the kids. <laughs> um, what spurred me on to just get out of there and just try art. Cause I just kind of thought, and I was, I think I was 29, 30 when I thought okay i'm gonna I'm gonna exit this and just give it a go what can I, what do I get to lose because I was miserable in terms of the staff situation
0: okay, so you about. thought actually I can do this you know I need to go my own way at this particular point
1: yeah I, I, I was kind of thinking that anyway but honestly the the, the shove that I needed was from a particular Staff member at that time who just was, you know, we all go through these things, and I think I probably would have just plodded along for a bit longer in teaching because it is such a rewarding career. But when things get nasty, it it gives you sort of the the push to do it, and I kind of thought, okay, let's just try it and see what happens. You just got it. I suppose I felt like I had the opportunity in front of me to go to New York. I didn't have to go, but I felt like I had it in front of me, and I thought, why not?
0: So I just wanted to go back to Manchester. So obviously you've travelled travelled the world a little bit and obviously you grew up in that glorious northern city. So tell me about your early memories of art and what, what got you interested in, in in this creativity that you do at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... Manchester is such a creative city so it's kind of all around you and I think growing up in that you don't necessarily realise how what that is until you leave and you go somewhere else and then you get different experiences from different places but I was just really lucky to grow up in a very creative family so my mother my grandma my granddad they were all very creative my uncle I think you don't realize that as a a kid, but you're just playing with those things as they are. And they're showing you how to do things and make things. So it was honestly just always something that I was good at as well. And, you know, in school, you know, whenever there was art or things, I'd win competitions and and stuff like that because I just I was just always doing it in my spare time was always making things I was making games from cereal boxes and cutting things out of magazines and making all sorts of things so it just flowed through me and then it's just something you need to do I think you know I'm quite lucky I realized that that I've always felt like that. It wasn't just one moment. I've just always been so intrigued and, you know, going to art galleries. And and even like the Manchester Museum, which is like Natural History Museum, was, you know, just fantastic and just blew your mind. So all, probably all the usual things that kids feel. But I, I definitely knew from a very early age that I would have to do a creative job. And actually I worked, for I'm probably going off on a tangent now which I'll do a lot <laughs> um I actually worked for Reebok as a graphic designer for a year during it was like the middle of my um university degree and that was really creative but I knew that and even though I was like only 20 I knew that I couldn't really conform to somebody else's creative standards so I knew that wasn't for me as well so that's quite lucky really that I knew that I had to do my own thing
0: it sounds like you had a very creative environment in which you were growing up in and also surrounding yourself in. So, you know, the yeah. family there, just, just being creative, just supporting yeah. you. And also Manchester, you're right, it is a creative city. There's loads going on in that city, isn't there?
1: Oh, so much. Like the the music, just the yeah. and again, I think it's you don't really know. It just it's there, you're it's you're managed, in it. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's fantastic so it was almost inadvertently so however we'll say this you know my sister who also grew up in that same environment she's very visually creative like she's a great interior designer but she doesn't want to get her hands dirty herself so you know it's it is probably down to the person as well whereas I just want to make things all the time and use my hands
0: what do you what do you miss about the north of England
1: oh banter Oh my goodness, I miss having a laugh. Oh, yeah.
0: They know how to have a laugh up there.
1: Oh, they do. They just turn anything into just, like the worst case of scenarios. Yeah, they can just, you can have a laugh about it. So I miss that. I miss fish and chips. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I miss, you know, I miss Marks and Spencer's food. It's mainly food based. (laughs) You know, obviously miss all my friends and family, but. The, the, the biggest sort of void is sometimes I do think the sense of humour is here. You know, you, you can definitely find people to have a laugh with, but it's it's a bit tricky. It's quite take a lot more seriously in, in America.
0: You know, it's funny you should say about fish and chips. I, I live in London and I, yeah. I really miss fish and chips. Allegedly, um, they sell fish and chips down here. Allegedly, it's a thing. But it costs yeah. like three times as much and they don't do scraps. And it's just, what's going on? Going on with that?
1: Do you go home often and, and have it then? Or... Oh yes,
0: absolutely. First date, yeah. as soon as yeah. I get back home and I'm from Yorkshire, that <laughs> I'll yeah. say the first thing, right, take me to the chippy because yeah. it's gonna <laughs> load yeah. up.
1: Oh, I remember, I remember there was this um, <laughs> place in, out, outside of Leeds where, and it was really old fish and chip shop that had been there for years. And they did their chips. Well, the what the, the fryer was beef dripping and it was like I'm a I'm a vegetarian now but I wasn't then and oh my goodness they were like the most crazy good thing so I think maybe in York you've even better fish and chips honestly probably right <laughs>
0: yeah so, so you, you're in New York now and yeah. uh, obviously that was a big move again from you know the Middle East going to New York tell me about that experience so you're moving there and sort of forming a, an artistic career in that that city? It,
1: it, honestly, I won't, I won't lie. It wasn't easy. It was much easier moving to the Middle East, which sounds crazy, I know. But you're moving into this ready-made lifestyle, beach, sunshine every day, great food, it's clean. And then you move to New York. I love and hate that city. And I think, I think everybody you meet who's truly been there for a long enough time will say that. They'll say there's a love-hate relationship. There's no media, there's no like middle ground, you know, you can be having the best day and then something will happen to you. It's very different. It's polar opposite. You know, the weather, the the standard of living, everything to how I was living in the Middle East. So it took some adjustment, <laughs> but it's New York and it's magical. And, you know, even on the worst days at nighttime, I always love looking out the apartment window and looking down Broadway and the lights are just shining and you think, okay yes quite nice really but yeah it can be it can be tricky it's wildly expensive even I would say even comparatively to London you know when I share studio rates and renting rates with friends I just think wow wow you know so it's it's, it's tricky, but it's wonderful. And like I said, it's the people. It's not necessarily the place, the people make it turn over and it's, and it's magic. It's the land, of, it really is like the land of opportunity, I think when they say, you know, that, that song, you, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere kind of thing. It's Probably very true because New York is, is pretty special. Um, but living there is a very different reality to just going for a holiday.
0: I can imagine. And it was there that you got, uh, we were saying earlier about 2016, you had a, you know, this, this moment where you decided to go as a full-time artist and, and yeah. there were some shows happening there at that time. Yeah, so
1: I had a solo show. So in a gallery that was on like the eighth floor. I mean, this is the great thing about New York. Everything is a secret. I always think when people go, you never actually experience it because all the good places are like secrets. They're like underground or be, you have to go through three restaurants to get to it or you know something like that so it was on the eighth floor of this gallery and I, I kind of did a lot myself which was really great way to learn about how things are you know just logistically managed when it comes to shows and things and it was a fantastic turnout and i you know I'd been there for about a year and a half at that time so that made me feel really good. And it was probably one of the most exhausting, like the run up to it was very exhausting. But it was, it was wonderful. And, you, you you know, you shouldn't forget those moments because they're your first ones. And I won't forget it. It was, it was pretty magic to do that. And then since then, it's funny, I've only had a few sort of pop-up shows. And my shows have generally been elsewhere in the US. And the UK, of course. Of course, the UK, yes. Yeah, so um, obviously
0: speaking, you know, with the Enter Gallery as well, rebranded. I How
1: know, much? it's amazing. I'm so glad they've done that because for a while, like, people would inquire and they'd be like, oh, so Art Republic, and, you know, you'd have to be, I saw this. Did you see it online or did you see it in the, <laughs> in the gallery? And so it's, it's just so much, yeah, and I love those guys. They're just literally the best we did. We did um, a little bit of an event with them in April last year. So I'm so glad I got to do that because, of course, we don't know when I'll be allowed back. And we did we did release one of my longhorns and it was just really great and went out with the whole team afterwards. And it's just really important, actually, to go and see your galleries because what they have is just magic. And I think I always say this about them. They're so long standing and they have this incredible team of people I, re- I remember when we went out for dinner they, I'm sure they said there's like 45 staff or something working and you know not all at the same time um, I might have got that wrong by the way but there was you know a large amount of staff that, that are there to greet collectors as they come in and talk to them about the work and the way they've hung the gallery and everything is fantastic and they've just got this no, they can't. Nobody can replicate what they've done. They try, but they can't because you know with Lawrence, and now what Lindsay's doing. It's they just they can't. So it's fantastic. It's an amazing
0: space to walk into. Have you been in there since the the gallery's ex- expanded? Yes, yeah. And just knocked into the next unit, and it's just yeah. like you go in there, and it's like, wow, I'm just like Everywhere. overwhelmed yeah. with
1: yeah. The art. <laughs> yeah, and I think also like. Because they mainly do prints, it, that's the main thing. I know they have shows with originals as well, but I think that's changed like the UK market because over here, it's quite funny with prints. You'll speak to American artists and like, oh no, I'm not going to do a print. Like, oh no, you know. But whereas I think Art Republic, no, Enter Gallery. Texts
0: are wild, but we... Uh... Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think they have created something really special where they've, you know for me especially when I like they encourage me to do more with these prints and it just works whereas over here there's nothing like it so it doesn't it doesn't work in the same way but I think the UK market's quite special in that way
0: yes I, I, I think so too it's uh, yeah it's very very so really making it uh, making art affordable and accessible
1: absolutely element, yeah. absolutely
0: so let's talk about your art you know you know and what and what it is you actually Do we talked about you, your life and your 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 career and stuff (laughs) going off
1: on tangents everywhere. (laughs) Uh,
0: What would you say that you are most known for in terms of your your practice?
1: Well I mean visually I think you know, monochromatic with gold leaf is is what you would describe my work as. But I think my work for my collectors is quite peaceful and calm. And that's what I love to hear from them, that it creates a sense of like wonder and just gracefulness in their home so I really like that because obviously some of the subject matter that I deal with is skulls and that's the whole point of the work I'm trying to for want of a better word but trying to take that apart and put it back together in a new way so we can discuss those subjects without just looking at them in a linear way you know open up the conversation around some of these pieces and each work is different but for me when I'm making my work it's quite it's very calming, it's very relaxing, it's kind of like meditation for me so I'm glad that that pulls back for, you know for the viewer as well or the collector and then in terms of how I make it most of my work has been charcoal, graphite and charcoal and gold leaf on paper which is beautiful and it brings this like fragility to the work in itself but recently I've been solely concentrating on oil on linen, which when when I show people the work, they can't actually tell the difference, which is great because um, I'm using this like dry brush technique. So I'm sort of trying to make it look similar, but I'm really enjoying painting, actually. Just the, the process of painting and, and stretching, you know, the, the linen is really nice. So... Yeah, sorry, I've probably gone on, off on a tangent. Okay. It's, it's, it's
0: interesting to you know to hear it and just you know where how your practice is you know developing. Yeah, interesting. Just going back to some some of the themes that you were talking about. So you hmm. mentioned schools, and obviously you draw the natural world. As, as yeah. Well, is there anything behind that? Anything behind the reasons why you draw these particular objects? Is it all to do with agility, um, or is there something else?
1: Well, I was just, if I'm honest, at the at the beginning, I was just drawn to that. So when I started my full-time career shall we say I was very aware that I felt and this is not advice that I would give to anyone but I felt this at the time that I wanted to prove that I had a skill set so I wanted to show hey I can draw I'm not just splashing paint around but by the way that is not advice that anyone needs to, to hear that was just me being obsessive about it and so when when I started doing I knew when it wanted to draw, because that's why I teach my kids in the class with classroom was like, "Hey, you start with drawing. once you can draw, you can move on to anything. you know it informs every part of our work, which is so true. so it, it was just what I was drawn to, if I'm honest, and I think going back to being a kid, and you know those those experiences are actually really formative, and I don't think we realize how how informative those experiences are, but I used to love going to the Museum of Natural History, and so I think. I just started with the things that I really enjoyed drawing to start with. And then the, the context in the subject comes out as you're doing it specifically in America. I think you're thrown into this very capitalist world, which really the UK is very socialist in comparison. You know, when you, yeah. I, we, you know, we do both have elements of each other. But I think when you're thrown into one compared to the other, I found them like a very good subject to open that conversation about hey what are we truly valuing you know and and the schools the human schools in particular were supposed to make people think about themselves as a living entity with only a certain amount of time here and what are you what are you doing what are you creating what what are you valuing so the gold really comes in to talk about value and what we what we value and i'm not trying to tell people how to think it's not like i'm like okay this is this is what this piece means i just want to open a conversation so if you take it one way and then the next day you take it another because i do with my pieces sometimes i think one thing about it another another day i think something else but it's just to open up a conversation where we're all on this treadmill we're all going flying through life but we don't really stop to think about what it really means and value and actually you know we're in we're in covid right now this is helping people do that I really do. I think this time is opening people to understanding that, you know, they should be spending more time with their kids. They should be playing more. They You know, work isn't the be all and end all. We shouldn't be killing ourselves over it. And most of the conversations I'm having with my friends, they're, they're starting to think, well, actually, what do I want? And, you know, we're in our 30s, but we're already thinking about being old, <laughs> retiring to the country, but you know, I'm, I'm digressing again as usual, but I think that's what my work, you know, is tr- just trying to open people up, especially here in America.
0: Yeah, you know, I've noticed that as well, the way that people are looking at the world a little bit different because yes. people can't go out or people haven't been able to go out and actually you're looking at the things that are closer to home.
1: And it doesn't matter anymore. All that stuff that used to matter, it doesn't matter, does it? No. It doesn't matter what car you've got or you know all these stupid things that we and then at the same time it's okay cuz we're human and we're flawed and that's okay too so yeah that's that's really in a nutshell what...
0: <laughs> is, is there is there an environmental element to some of your pieces as well yeah I mean I'm thinking in my mind I've got the the image of the lobster with the yeah. gold mm. wrap around the claws yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so that piece, I, I think all of them, if you took all of them and, and what I just said is a broad statement about all of them, but then certain pieces are definitely, that one, I think evokes quite a lot of emotion. And, and you know, again, some people have, have had restaurants, like high-end restaurants buy it to, you know, to put on their wall and, and that's fine because therefore people will see it and maybe it will speak to them. But it's just, you know, the the lobster is this creature that if you look through history it's quite funny actually because it was the food of the peasantry it was what they used to eat and now it's you know the the most expensive thing on most menus just the way in which this this creature is extremely important in the ecosystem to clean up it's it's kind of like a filter for the ocean so we need that more than ever now and we're just using it for something completely different we're just taking it and for our own value and greed so you know yes that is an environmental piece I would say something yeah.
0: about the, the the destruction of the natural order there the, yeah. the balance is, is being affected because we're not really thinking
1: yeah and it's this it's a similar story with the longhorn really because mm. that's another another completely bred animal for with the longhorns they competitions about who can, who can get the longest horns and and then using it for meat and power or some kind of strange competition about the horns. So it's a similar situation with that piece too, you know, and again, it's not the only story, but it's one of them. Is that I mean, the Longhorn, Is that,
0: um? If that's an American?
1: Yeah, so it's like a Texas Longhorn. I got inspired be- with that piece because I'd lived in New York, I think probably for about two or three years. And, you know, I'd traveled for shows and things like that, but I'd never seen real America and New York is just not real America. And so I wanted to go on a road trip. So I did a road trip through the South and ended up in Austin. And between Austin and Houston, there's this drive and it's just farms and you just see them. And they're just so majestic, these beautiful beasts that you see out there. And you're just intrigued because you don't really see them anywhere else. It's, it's a bit like, you know, when you go to Scotland and you see the Highland cattle and they are just these crazy beasts. And so I, I did a bit more research and I actually <laughs> went to... This uh, taxidermy shop its this like world-famous taxidermy shop. So I was like, oh, don't really want to go in here, not sure how I'm going to feel about it. And you're not allowed to take photos because, of course, there's a lot of backlash with things like that. And so I just put on you know, my best British accent and said, you know, I'd come all the way here from England, could I go and take pictures? And they allowed me to, so a lot of my pictures come from that taxidermy shop.
0: <laughs> does, the, does the accent help you over there?
1: Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, it helps and hinders. You know, you can't order things in restaurants yeah. or over the phone. No, you, you're not going to get what you want because people don't understand you. But yes, yeah, so it can help, but you can be frustrating. Lost,
0: you've lost the northern edge a little bit, you realise, Elizabeth. I think.
1: I think I have, yeah. My friends say this. I think I just have to enunciate all the time. So it's still in there. It's still in there. You know, if I say boss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Bath. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet when you when you go back, it all comes back, right? It all.
1: It all oh uh, yeah. Oh absolutely. And then you just start speaking really, really fast. Yeah, with your friends. Yeah, I know. I get told that a lot that I've I've, I've lost it. Someone called me posh the other day, and I was like, oh, I don't know about that, but um, I've definitely. I think you just have to enunciate him or So I've definitely yeah lost it.
0: Well, Elizabeth, thanks for talking to us. Uh, thanks for talking to Art Related Noise. It's been uh, a fantastic chat.
1: Thank you so much.